On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. It's that time of the weekend where we do hidden histories, where we look at neglected historical figures and what they might mean for Ireland and, of course, the wider world. Now, before Dracula, there was Carmilla. Predating it by a quarter of a century, the work of Joseph Sheridan Lafanu was a classic of the genre and a reminder of just how much Irish genius contributed to the emergence of vampire fiction. The story of lesbian vampires, no less, once a defining figure in Irish literary history, Sheridan Le Fanu has faded into a kind of obscurity now. But as we'll hear today, maybe perhaps it might not like be like that. And Donald Fallon is joining me in the studio. Donald, you're very welcome along. Good to be here. Now, this weekend, we know there is the Bram Stoker Festival, famous author of Dracula, of course. A lot of countries try to claim uh, him and his legacy and so on. We'll talk about that another time. But it wasn't always been about Dracula. There has been other rave reviews for books like this. But tell me a little bit about Dracula and how it was first received before we get into Sheridan Lafayette. Hands off Bram Stoker, everyone else, okay? Bram Stoker was an Irishman and we're not giving him away. And we have the Bram Stoker Festival running uh, in Dublin at the moment. And I think it says so much about Bram Stoker and his presence that you can't really get into talking about Sheridan Lafanu before you get Dracula out of the way. Because when we do think about vampire fiction, it is Dracula, isn't it, that comes to mind. And it's a really strange one, actually, because when it first landed in, in 1897, it wasn't a runaway commercial success. You know, the, the reviews of Dracula were pretty mixed. The initial print run, I think, was 3,000 copies. It took a long, long time to shift it. And some people felt, even in, in the late 19th century, when the book landed, that it was, you know, a little bit naff, we might say. Uh, the Guardian, then called the Manchester Guardian, when they reviewed it, they, they had this kind of savage review and they said, look, a writer who attempts in the 19th century to rehabilitate the ancient legends of the werewolf and the vampire has set himself a formidable task. Most of the delightful old superstitions of the past have an unhappy way of appearing limp and sickly in the glare of a latter day. In other words, they were kind of asking, ah, you know, in the modern day, is this stuff really scary anymore? Well, apparently it was scary enough that women were told not to read it at all. It's weak, weak and feeble ladies were not able to read this sort of yeah, stuff. Is that so, correct? You know, a, a good book divides opinion and, and the, the Mancunians, The Guardian, didn't like it. But there were other great reviews. Uh, and I've always enjoyed this one. Mr. Bram Stoker should have labelled his book for strong men only, or words to that effect. Left lying carelessly around, it might get into the hands of your maiden aunt who believes devotedly in the man under the bed or a parlour maid with unsuspected hysterical tendencies. Dracula to such would be manslaughter. It is only for a man of sound conscience and digestion who can turn out the gas and go to bed without having to look over his shoulder uh, more than half a dozen times as he goes upstairs or more than mildly wishing that he had a crucifix and garlic candy to keep vampires from getting at him. So that's a good review, isn't it? Not bad. <laughs> that's, a, that's a review worth mentioning today because we're focusing in on a different book, Carmela, which I suppose is about the emergence of a female Vampire. And I've got a copy with me here, a recently released copy, and the very front of it, it says, the cult classic that inspired Dracula. You know, people always seem to focus on Sheridan Lafanu in terms of what he means to Bram Stoker. So Bram didn't invent a vampire story. He's not even the Irish inventor of the genre here. And I think what you find when you dig a little bit, this was a very popular kind of writing. You know, the supernatural, all of that was really taking hold in the 19th century. Even Oscar Wilde was in on it, the picture of Dorian Gray. But this guy today, Joseph Sheridan Lafanu, he is the father, if you will, of the Irish vampire, the Irish gothic story. And what makes a classic of this genre, do you think? Yeah, well, that's a great question. What makes a vampire story good? What does it need? Well, it needs a couple of things. One, it needs a kind of supernatural figure. That's very important. That's the vampire. It needs a dark setting. Like, where better than an old castle? And it's nearly always an old castle, isn't it? It needs a kind of mysterious atmosphere. It needs a strong personality, often quite aristocratic. So Carmilla and 
Dracula have that in common. You know, they're both very aristocratic figures. There needs to be a kind of romantic dimension or some kind of longing of some kind. And all of those things are present in the work of Stoker and Sheridan Lafanu. But I think what's great about this guy we're talking about today is that not only is he, is he a Dubliner, a lot of his work is kind of inspired by where he lives. So he gives us a great story, The House by the Churchyard, in the very spooky village, once upon a time, of Trapelizet. The house is still there today. So he's shaped by, you know, the world uh, in which he lives. Uh, he is the son of a Church of Ireland reverend. Uh, the name is great, by the way. You know, people always are, how do you pronounce it? And all three it? or four different pronunciations. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think the issue with how we pronounce it is that it's, it's not an Irish name, though he's an Irish writer. It's a Huguenot name. So if you walk around up, I mean, where we're sitting at the minute, Diggs Lane, that's a Huguenot name. Latouche, uh, Bridge, the Lear Street. Dublin. Sean Lamas, yeah. Yeah, Dublin is full. Beckett, you know, Dublin is full of these great kind of Huguenot little nods to the past. French Protestant uh, refugees. So French blood, you know, uh, but a, a, an Irish heart. Educated at Trinity College, then a bastion of Protestantism and politically conservative. But Ireland was a, a really rapidly shifting society. And I suppose he was interested uh, in the in the folklore, in the mythology, in the ghost stories that were below the surface you know, of Irish life in the 19th century and there to be dug up. And it's worth mentioning that he was toiling away for many years before this became a hit. He had put a big slog in. Yeah, he, he publishes his first ghost story in the 1830s. That's like way before this is a big trend in publishing. Uh, but the one we're talking about, Carmilla, is from 1872. And when you read it, the influence on Dracula, even in terms of how the story is told, is very clear. But the language is great. I mean, I love this. Dreams come through stone walls, light up dark rooms or dark and light ones. And their persons make their exits and their entrances as they please and laugh at the locksmiths. Isn't that brilliant? brilliant? The idea of something moving of its own volition. That's not unlike in Dracula, moving as a mist. And it's a first-person account, Carmilla. Uh, supposedly, it's penned by a young English woman, Laura. Well, we know it's written by Sheridan Lafanu, but it's told through this young English woman, Laura, who's fallen prey to Carmilla, a female Viking, sorry, a female vampire. Leave the Vikings, Leave the Vikings out, out of this. They, they, they've done enough. But there's, there's an undeniable romantic undertone to it. I mean, this is Victorian times, remember. She used to place her pretty arms about my neck, draw me to her, and laying her cheek to mine, murmur with her lips near my ear, Dearest, your little heart is wounded. Think me not cruel because I obey the irresistible law of my strength and weakness. If your dear heart is wounded, my wild heart bleeds with yours. I mean, there's a lot of lust in this uh, account of this female vampire. Now, we're talking a lot about Dracula and Carmilla going backward and forward, but the, the, the influence Dracula had is very obvious, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, both stories, Carmilla and Dracula, they're both told in the first person, which was unusual enough at that time. Stoker, though, I mean, Stoker's a civil servant by day over many years, and he's meticulous. And actually, when you read Dracula, you can tell... You know, someone with that kind of background wrote this book because he uses telegrams, diary entries, newspaper reports. You know, he brings in all these sources to tell the story. No one had really done anything like that uh, before. But I think the idea of writing in the first person owes a lot to this book, Carmilla, that came before him. And Carmilla's had a lot of pop culture impact as well. There's been film adaptations. You know, female vampires are always depicted in a certain kind of lusty way. And a lot of that, I think, has been based on this book. The Blood Splattered Bride, which is a great movie from the 70s, a bit of a cult classic, you know, in no small part shaped by, uh, by the female vampire of Le Fanu. So, no, not a cultural impact to the same degree as Dracula. I mean, look, Dracula's made it into everything from, you know, Christopher Lee movies to Sesame Street. But Carmilla, in its own way, had a significant enough cultural impact. No, and we're often accused of being very incestuous here in Dublin, media village that we are. But these two guys passed by each other and gave jobs to each other. Tell us how that yeah, that's amazing. I mean, this is a mad moment in time where they kind of cross over. Uh, Sheridan Lafanu was, was a co-proprietor of a newspaper called the Dublin Evening Mail, now forgotten. 
uh, on the corner of Parliament Street in Cork Hill. But a young stoker gets his start there uh, in the early 20s. He writes theatre reviews for that newspaper. And I say he gets his start. He does it for nothing. He's not paid what he wants to Sounds do. Sounds familiar, yeah. Sounds familiar <laughs> in the world of the media. But it, it's the beginning of him as a voice, you know, in, in, in public consciousness. And yeah, that transformed his life. I mean, he wrote a glowing review for an actor, Sir Henry Irving, uh, who played the role of Hamlet in Dublin. Stoker just totally transfixed by him. And that began a relationship that brought Stoker to London, the place that he wrote Dracula. So, you know, in in, in many ways, uh, Sheridan Le Fanu's newspaper, giving a start to Bram Stoker, that was the beginning of him. One held the door, you might say, maybe unconsciously for the other. Yeah, and, and if you want to make a connection, his 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 remains are still in the city. Tell me about the spooky graveyard yeah, that he is in. Sheridan Le Fanu uh, died in his, his Merrion Square home in 1873, but they buried him in Mount Jerome. And I think Mount Jerome is a really, really creepy cemetery. It's fantastic. If anyone in Dublin is looking for a place to walk around today, that's where I would go. I mean, it's a great Victorian cemetery of Dublin. And the, the, the grave inscription for Sheridan Le Fanu is absolutely perfect. You know, here lies Dublin's invisible prince. Isn't that brilliant? He just moved through the shadows, Joseph Sheridan left a new novelist and writer uh, of ghost stories. So yeah, give him his place this weekend because this, as we said, you know, in popular Irish memory, it's Bram Stoker's weekend. The Bram Stoker Festival is running, but I think we need to see Bram Stoker. He's not the tree of Irish supernatural writing. You know, he's a branch on it. It's a much bigger story from Oscar Wilde, the Sheridan Lefanu, and many others. You know, and you're, you're putting out a good business idea. The Sheridan Lefanu Festival has got to be just yeah. around the corner. <laughs> There's bound to be a split between the current well, uh, Joyce motors. gets a day. Uh, Bram yeah. Stoker gets a weekend, so yeah, let's let's give every writer a day. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and that's good for Donal, of course. But uh, leave it that. Out. Thank you very much, Donal Fallon, who is a historian, of course, and he's author of the Three Castles Burning book. It's out there in all the great shops, and he's been very heavily involved this weekend in that Bram Stoker festival. There's still uh, parts of it still running, Donal. There are, yes. Yeah. Stokerland is running in St Patrick's Park. It's really nice, good family fun. Yes, yeah, so if you're not running in the marathon, get along for that. Hidden histories. Thank you very much for joining us. On the record with Gavin Riley. Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. On News Talk.